Good to see everybody. It is week, uh, the next last week of the Holy Day series. We will do one next week, and then uh, following that we'll go into the holiday stuff that they talked about. But we've been talking about all the different feasts of uh, Israel, the Jewish feast that God set up in Leviticus chapter 23. Um, so if you have your Bibles, flip over to Leviticus chapter 23, and we'll look... Uh, at another one of the feasts. So let's stand as we read um, this portion of Scripture and uh, pray that God will uh, talk to us and let it apply to our heart. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Be careful to celebrate the Day of Atonement. Look at your neighbor and say, Be careful. So what if you tell somebody to drive careful? It means that they need to drive more careful, right? So here the scripture is telling us to be careful to celebrate this day of atonement on the 10th day of the same month, nine days after the festival of trumpets. You must observe it in, every, in an official day for holy assembly, a day to deny yourself and present special gifts to the Lord. Do not work during that entire day because it's the day of atonement. When offerings of purification are made for you, making you right with the Lord your God. All who do not deny themselves that day will be cut off from God's people. That would be scary. Don't be cut off from God's people. And I will destroy anyone of you who does not work on that day. You must do, not do any work at all. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live. This will be a Sabbath day of rest for you, and on that day you must deny yourselves. This day of rest will begin at sundown on the ninth day of the month and extend until sunday down on the tenth day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we just ask that you apply this to our heart today. Lord, that we would understand this uh, feast that you had proclaimed to the Jewish people. Lord, let it bring application of Jesus into our life. Let us become more like you in everything we do. And Lord, we just pray that we would have understanding today. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. So last week we talked about the Feast of Trumpets and how we blew the horn and uh, ate uh, apples and honey that tasted really good and uh, 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 savory, I would say, that left a good taste in your mouth but this week uh, we'll have a, a a thing at the end of service that you can eat that will uh, show you what this feast is more about and uh, uh, maybe it'll help give you an understanding of sometimes life isn't all that pleasant so this is not a feast where you're going to get a, a honey bun it's going to be a little different so uh, you better have your drink of water to eat this but it'll be good, and I promise you uh, it'll bring something to your life. So uh, hopefully that sucks you up to want that uh, dessert that Leslie stayed up all last night cooking. Let's say thank you, Leslie. And uh, Jason had to drive us to Walmart there tonight and, and, and let us pick up all the groceries and different stuff. So let's thank Jason for driving Leslie to, and me to go get the um, stuff. So thank you, Jason, for driving us up there to get us this wonderful thing we're going to eat here in a minute. 
So that Feast of Trumpets proclaims, it's a, a proclamation of a new year, a new season. And we talked about the three different books that are opened. According to Jewish uh, uh, rabbis, they feel like there's three different books open. But really, it's just the book of life. It's the book that's opened is the book of life, which is the book that God keeps account of everything you and I do. And that book is still uh, open today. It's opened every day. And God keeps account, a ledger, of our actions, of our inactions. Sometimes your inaction is just as important as your action. Amen? Some people think it's what you do is sin. Sometimes it's what you don't do is sin. So it's just as important to fulfill the commandments of God. So as these books are opened over the next several days, uh, leading up to this uh, uh, Day of Atonement that we've just talked about, it's uh, in uh, Jewish custom. They call it Yom Kippur. So you can say that with me, Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippur, Yom means day. Kippur means a covering. A, a, an, an atonement is what it's translated in the King James Version. So it's a day of t atonement or a day of covering. So leading up to this day of atonement or this day of covering, I told you last week that there, you go out and you give alms and you try to buy your way back into the better side of the book that you want to try to have this uh, season. And then, uh, the days leading up to from the Feast of Trumpets to the feast that we're talking about today, the Feast of Yom Kippur, that season, those that week long is about nine days in between there, more than one week. But these days were what's known in uh, Jewish tradition as the Days of Awe, A-W-E. So they're in awe this week that, that uh, God has given them a new year. They're thankful for the new year. They're grateful for the new year. But they're wanting to make sure that this Day of Atonement is a day where that the reckoning is happening. So basically, this is the judgment day. So if you were put in, in, in jail and you're waiting your, your uh, time to when the judgment day is going to happen for you, that you're going to see the court and they give you a hearing date and all this, as you're sitting there in this season, this week-long season, that you know judgment's coming, you try to get your heart right. Amen? You try to get your life right. You try to think about what you're going to say and what, what you're going to offer up to the judge. And that's what these people do. They, the Jewish people throughout this season, this, these few days, they try to atone for or make up for the bad they've done for the year. So I just want to see a raise of hands. Is there anybody in the room that has sinned one time, at least one time this past year? Okay, just a raise of hands. How many people have sinned at least one time? Uh, pretty much everybody. Uh, uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you lied. So now you have sinned, so just go ahead and raise your hand too. So everybody is guilty. Uh, Romans tells us that uh, everyone has sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it also tells us that in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, I believe it is, it says the wages of sin is death. So if the wages of sin is death, I don't want to inherit death, do you? I'm not looking forward to the day of death and and the pain and suffering of knowing that this may be my last day. So as God would uh, show these Jewish people, they would be in this days of awe where it was a time or a season of repentance. Because if we know we're going to meet the judge, we're going to straighten up a little bit. We're going to try to live a little cleaner, right? We're going to try to do better, especially if, you, if I told you right now that next Sunday 
God was going to make a judgment on your life, how would you spend this next week? What would you do? What actions or inactions would you do this next week different than what you normally customarily do? So that's what happens for the Jewish people every year. But this day of atonement, this day of covering, is where it was a day of reckoning for them. That it was a, a, a season where that judgment was going to happen. They knew it. And they were afraid of the judgment of God. The Bible says that the fear of God, the beginning of fear is wisdom. And, and that fear, we must have that because it is, it is what uh, the fear of God and keep his commandments is a whole duty of man. It's what King Solomon said. You should fear God. Amen. You should tell your, tell your neighbor, you need to fear God. <laughs> tell them. Tell your neighbor, you need to fear God. Say, I don't think you do. <laughs> I've been listening to you. <laughs> I've been watching you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe you do. But fearing God makes us walk a straighter line. So this, this day of reckoning is coming. And, and on Yom Kippur, it was the day where that, uh, this annual feast, it's not a feast. All the rest of them, they're eating stuff, they're partying, they're like celebrating, blowing trumpets, and just having all kinds of stuff. And, and I believe it's in the King James, it says uh, about that you would, uh, what's it called? In your soul. You got a King James Bible there, Greg? It says that you should, uh, uh, just about through the whole thing, what we just read. It talks that you would... Uh, Mm -mm. Afflict your souls Afflict, that's the word I'm looking for Afflict your souls When was the last time you afflicted your soul? When was the last time you Caused yourself To reflect To God So afflicting your souls Is this that uh, This is the day of fasting So this feast isn't about gorging ourselves With a bunch of food how many glad every day isn't Thanksgiving? <laughs> hey, man, I would weigh 4 billion pounds if every day was Thanksgiving. So I'm glad that there's some of these feasts that God does, and this one is one that it is about uh, afflicting your soul. It's about fasting. So fasting is where that you don't eat that day. It's not where you will eat that day, but it's where you won't eat that day. So uh, one of the, the things we're going to eat here in a little bit, what's it called? Kugel. I called it Krugel because I think it's got an R in it. She says it don't. So it's a Kugel, but in my world it's a Krugel. So I say how I say things, and she says them how she wants to say them. So it's a Kugel. And they're, it's loaded. Sometimes they're made with potatoes. Sometimes they're made with egg noodles, and they're just this big gommed-up pile of stuff that they cook and bake, and, and you eat it. But it gives you so many carbs and so many... It, it prepares you for a fast. So Jewish people, over the... Uh, seasons of their life they understood if, if I'm going to go on a fast tomorrow I'm going to eat a lot today to sustain me through tomorrow you see what I'm saying they're trying to build herself up because uh, you can go to the doctor today and there's some doctors will order you a fast they will tell you you need to fast so many days prior to coming to the doctor because we're going to do this test or that test so that type of fast is where that you just don't eat to get a, a certain whatever number where there's a giving you these tests that they'll understand uh, more about uh, your body. And it's not uh, impacted by what you've been eating. 
So these fasts is not a fast that it's talking about here. This fast says that you will afflict your souls. You will cause yourself pain in your stomach. And what that fast is for is anytime you find in the scripture that if you talk about a fast, that there's several people, three or four different people that fasted 40 days in scripture. 40 days. Can you imagine? 40 days without eating and drinking anything other than water. Jesus did it. It says he went out in the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. And at the end of his fast, when it was over, at the end of his fast, that's when the enemy come and, and tempted Jesus. And Jesus overcome him by the word, right? He, he said, it is written. Jesus would tell the devil, it is written. You tell me to go jump off this mountain, but it's written to not tempt the Lord your God. So there's things you don't do. You need to know the Bible. So these fasts are inflicting our own souls. So on this day of of uh, Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the day of covering, they want to make sure and fast that whole day because this is the day where I'm going to meet the judge. And I don't want to go in to meet the judge with pride in my heart. It says in Scripture that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. If we have humility in our hearts, in our lives, in our manners and the way we act, God will give us grace. I need grace to survive. <laughs> Amen? I don't want God to resist me. I don't want God to push me back on the day of judgment. That would be a scary thing. Because at the end of days, when it's all over and it's all said and done, after the rapture, after the tribulation, after the thousand-year millennial reign, there's going to be a great white throne judgment. It talks about it in the end of Revelation, the great white throne judgment. It's where everything is opened up. And in front of everybody, every person that's ever lived is going to be judged. The quick and the dead. And he's going to, we're going to give account for every idle word that we speak, it says. This is where, at the end of that time, unless your sins are covered by the blood, you're going to be cast out into eternal darkness in the flames of hell. He's going to push away. I don't desire that for anybody. Not my worst enemy. I don't have enemies. But if I had one, I wouldn't even wish this on them. Because eternal punishment for eternity is a long time. And it's scary. So it's Day of Atonement. They understood this to be a year-to-year -year thing. So here's the way it works. Beginning of the new year, blow a trumpet. Eat some apples and some honey. Yeah, it's going to be a good year. But then as you begin to think about that, Man, I didn't live all that good last year. <laughs> if God makes my next year on account of what I did last year, I might not be in that good of a shape. So they begin to think about these. This, I, did, I did this person that way wrong last year, and I, I done this person wrong that way last year, and all these things begin to haunt them. So then they begin to repent of those things. And they begin to uh, go and give to the poor and doing different things. They do all kind of things of repentance throughout these days of awe. And as they're going along this journey through these days, they have to understand New Testament for us, it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, S-O-W, sow, like sowing corn to plant, whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. And with the same measure 
that you sow, with that same measure shall you reap. So it's not like you can sow a bunch of evil things and only get back a little bit of evil for yourself. It's what how, in, in volume too. So it's telling us here in the New Testament, whatever we sow, we're going to reap. In the Old Testament, they believed that. If they feared God, they believed that he's a just God, that he, he holds account of justice in his hands, that he is just and faithful. And they believed that if I sinned this much last year, then I'm going to have to pay the price next year because it's going to come back. Sometimes we skate through life and think that God's never going to catch up with us. But I'm telling you, he's keeping a book. They thought it happened every year. I think it's a lifelong journey in the New Testament. So as God is telling them and teaching them this, on this day of atonement, the day of reckoning, the judgment day, there's, there's multiple things you can read that just about all of Israel will come in and they will lay prostate in, in, in before the temple and they, they will lay before the temple and cry and beg and plead God, forgive my sins for last year. Afraid of what's to come if they don't get them covered. If their sins are not covered. It's a scary thing for a sinner to fall into the hands of an angry God. They say it's the best sermon that's ever preached. It is, I believe. Because here the day of reckoning has come. They lay, they cry, they weep, they wail. It's a mourning season. They're all fasting. Can you imagine everybody in the nation of Israel on one day of the year, everybody fasts. How much afflicting of your souls. What if all of Bethesda met together and we all fasted on one day of a year that we was, we was afflicting our souls and we come in with sorrow about the things we had done wrong and we're pleading with God to make things right. What would happen? I believe God would forgive us. If we come in with pride in our heart and our, our shoulders shoved back and, and our chest pumped out like we are something great and, 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 and God has to forgive us because we tell him he has to. He don't have to do anything. So they would all cry and fast and pray. And their high priest, this was the holiest day of the entire year. So the, ho the holiest day of all and if you study your Old Testament, you'll see that they had a tabernacle of meeting where they had to meet together to do their, uh, where they worshiped, basically. The whole tent was sitting all the way around. They're out here in the wilderness. And, and as they had this tabernacle of meeting, they would carry it with them. And it, it talks about that there's a holy of holies. Have you ever read through scriptures and seen where in the tabernacle that there's a holy of holies? And it's a place where the Ark of the Covenant sat. And you wasn't allowed to go through those. That They had a big, uh, thick, uh, woven Basically, the way I, I picture it in my mind, but when uh, soon uh, Francis used to make quilts and, and they used to crochet and stuff, and it's intertwined. And, and the way they built this big veil, it was so thick. Some people uh, are uh, theologians think it was seven to nine inches thick. Can you imagine a blanket seven to nine inches thick? And it was built that thick to keep because the presence of God was in the Ark of the Covenant. And, and whenever they built it so thick so that, so that nobody could just accidentally just, oh, I don't know what's in here, go in there. It was automatic death. We know in the Old Testament when they was carrying the, the Ark of the Covenant at that time, and who was it? Uzzah reached up and touched the Ark of the Covenant. He died instantly. You didn't touch it. You didn't get in God's presence without dying because he's that holy. 
But once a year, the high priest was allowed to go in to the Holy of Holies. How many wants that job? Where that if there's one spot of sin in your life, it's automatic death, instant. It'd be like volunteering for the electric chair. I'll go in and sit down, let them hook me up and see if it'll work. No, I'm staying out. But the high priest would cleanse himself, he, or a ceremony that he would do about washing. He'd wash his feet. And they would take, they had two goats and a bull. And they'd bring them, the nation of Israel would bring these two small goats and this bull, and they would, they would sacrifice one of the goats. And as the blood would come out, he would catch it in a pan out of one of the goats and the other one he would have tied up over here and as the blood would come out and he'd catch it in the pan he went into the holy place and he would dip his finger in it and splatter it seven different ways around the holy place because the blood cleanses of sin it was the sacrifice God required so as this blood was spread he would come back out he'd pour the blood of the first goat out and he would stick his hands down on the ground with this blood all over his hands and he would place it on the second goat he would place his hands on the second goat and he says as the blood is representation of the sin of all of Israel we place it on the second goat and they would take the second goat out and lead it by its collar and they would take off out some people would out into the hillside into the country into the cliffs and they would turn the goat loose but they would they would kindly uh, force the goat to go a certain direction and when it would get to an edge of a cliff they would shove it off of the cliff to make sure that that goat didn't return back into the camp if the goat survived and walked back into the camp it means the sin was not forgiven for the year that would be scary you wouldn't want the goat coming back so there's all these symbolic things that they would do trying to prepare to say, I want my sins forgiven. Think about how much work went into all this stuff that we're talking about they did to get their sins covered for one year. And then think about how much we care in our actions, in our prayers, in our fasting, in our afflicting of our souls to say, God, I'm a sinner. Be merciful unto me. How much do we really care? How much does Yom Kippur mean to us? Every day needs to be a day of atonement for us. There should be a covering every single day of our life that we're saying, God, I'll mess up today without you helping me. I can't make it without you. You are my help. You're my portion. You're my strong tower. Just read through the Psalms and look at all the stuff that they say. He's my shield. He's my buckler. He's all the things that I need. You're my right arm. All the things that the psalmist declare God to be in their life because they have a reverence for him. How much reverence should we have for God? What should Yom Kippur mean to us? not an annual thing I'm telling you right now you can't wait once a year to come and ask God to forgive you for the last year 
You better wake up every morning saying, God, I was a mess yesterday. And I need your grace. I need your mercy today. Amen. Let's stand. Talking about being humble. Last week at school, I was teaching, and one of the students, they, I give them a, 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 a task to go, go to complete. They had to go out and find a certain type of pipe, and they had to come back in and tell me what that pipe did, the function of that pipe. And they all went out in pairs, so three or four or five different pairs went out and looking for these pipes, and they come back, and, and a lot of them just country boys, you know, plumbers and pipe fitters, just, and they get out there, and they're, they're looking, and they all come back, and, and uh, they explain what their pipe was and what it did and the function, and one of them got it wrong. One pair got it wrong. They was, they was way off. They was so bad off that they was the exact opposite of what it really was doing. It's not just like missing it by a little bit. It's like you ain't even in the ballpark. You're in left field. And there's a girl in the group. So I told the biggest one, he's like six foot, I don't know, something big boy, six, four, big old bruiser guy. I told him, I said, okay, get the girl in your class and take her over and let her look at it and, and see if she comes back with a better explanation than maybe you did. Maybe it's just something I'm looking at that I know what it is, but maybe somebody, apprentice, don't know. So they go over, and like two or three minutes, they come back, and, and she tells what she thinks it is, and she's absolutely spot on. Don't miss it by, it's exactly what it is. I was like, that is awesome. You big bruiser country boy just got schooled by this little girl, you know, it's in your class. And I, I started making a joke out of it, and I was like, uh, I, telling the rest of them, I was like, I think he ought to have to bow down to her, don't you? I believe he ought to, he ought to have to bow down and, you know, you're, you're greater than me or something. And he's like, I don't bow to nobody. He started, he started, he's like, I ain't bowing. It ain't happening because I had my phone out. I was going to get a picture, you know. And I'm not bowing. I said, I think you ought to bow. And finally his buddy, I said, well, maybe even the buddy ought to bow with you because you both had it wrong. She got it right. So maybe both of you ought to bow. I don't know. Uh, finally his buddy said, if everybody will put their phones down and won't take a picture, I'll bow. I was like, that sounds like a real good deal to me. So I made everybody put their phones up. We all put them in our pocket and, and stood there and watched. And, and they walked over together, and, and he got his buddy up. Like, Come on, man, you just got to bow. It's not that big a deal. Just bow down. It's, it's going to be over. And so finally he sat there, you know, the one, uh, he, he done the gentleman's bow. So he, he just bowed down like that. And the big tall one, he done like the girl version, like the whatever, the, the, curtsy. the, the curtsy or whatever it is, it, 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 you know, just like this. And he, he did that. And I, everybody laughed, had a big big fun game. And we kept aggravating him about it, you know, like, oh, you bowed down to her and all this. Well, last day of the week, Friday, every, at the end of the day, every day, they have to stand up at the end, in the group of everybody and tell two things they learned. Uh, to see, kind of just give us instructors what they've learned through the week. And uh, they stood up Friday, and they was telling the two things. And one of them stood up and said, well, Ben said this. And I did. They, I taught them that. And, and the other instructor was there and was like, that's wrong. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm right. I mean, I, I was 95% sure I was right. I was like, I think you're wrong. And in the today, if this would have happened in 1940, nobody would have been able to find out. But today, one of the apprentices back there Googled. 
Siri come on, ask the question, my buddy was right. So I'm the coordinator, so this is like, my job is basically like the principal of the school, and here you got a teacher that schooled me. So then all the apprentices jump up, students jump up, and they're like, I think Ben ought to have to bow down to Jody. And I was like, oh man, no, please. And pride starts to swell up, and you're like, I don't want to bow. This ain't no fun. Bowing's no fun at all. So I had to tell him, I was like, look, you are not going to get a picture of this. There's 25, 30 people in the room. There's not, there's not getting a picture come out of this room and end up on Facebook of Ben Bowen. I'm not, that's not going to happen. So I made them all hold their hands in the air, put their phones in their pockets, so everybody had their hands in the air, you know. And, and I stand there, and I looked real quick, just one more last time, make sure nobody got a picture or nothing. And, and I, done, I done the bow to Jody. And as I did that, it, it, it came back to me about this verses afflicting our soul and how much pride we really have on the inside of us. I don't like bowing to nobody. I really don't. It's not enjoyable. But as you do, when you bow, it puts you back in perspective of who you really are. Amen? And I believe it's symbolic to me that there's pride in my heart and I gotta get over myself and I just need to bow and I it took me back to when I was a kid and we would go to church services at church up on Hilltop and, and there were so many people at that church wasn't many like 15 people would come to that church and uh, most of them was elderly and uh you would sit during those church services and whenever they would call for prayer, Greg, they didn't stand. That generation would turn around and get down on their knees and a lot of them didn't feel like it. They probably had a hard time getting back up even. I remember Aunt Mary and Geneva. I remember Forrest Cooper, George Stone. These are some old timers in Lewis County. My grandpa, Howard Collier, and I would witness them when they would call for prayer. That they would get down on their knees, turn around, and put their head down in the chair and plead to God. It's an act of humility. It's a humbling experience. So I want to ask us today if we could just go back to that tradition and if you could, just please just, uh, if you would just turn around there and, and kneel down at your chair and just have a, have a moment of prayer of afflicting your soul where you're asking God to forgive you of your sins as a sign of humility and just pray that God would let Yom Kippur become real in your life that this would be a, a day of atoning a day of covering Father, we're grateful for you today in this place. And God, as we bow before you today, Lord, with humility in our heart, God, we know that we are lost and undone without you. God, if, if we come before you with pride, Lord, that we know that you have no option but to turn us away. So God, we posture ourselves 
by bowing before you as a sign of humility, God. That we're contrite in our heart, God, that we know that our sin can't come before you. But God, we know that the blood of bulls and goats, it says in Hebrews, cannot take away our sin. But you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and his blood can do what those goats could not. Lord, that as he brought that blood before you in heaven, that it made restitution for the sin of all humanity. And God, we just ask today that you would apply that blood over our life, that Jesus is our high priest. Lord, as his blood is applied to our life, that it will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, you said in your word that our righteousness is as filthy rags, God. And Lord, that we have to be clothed in white to stand before you. Let Jesus wash us clean. Let the Holy Spirit come on the inside of our heart just like you said, Jesus, and sweep us clean from the inside out. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. Lord, as their hearts are bowed before you right now, Lord, as, as they're thinking about some of the things they've done wrong this past year and, and this, this past season in their life, God, I pray right now that repentance would come, that would it be known, Lord, that there would be salvation to take place in their life. Cleanse us, God. us, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within us, God. In Jesus' mighty name.